Brian McClanahan Show, episode 258. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. If you don't want to search for all those social media buttons, just go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com. You've got all those buttons at the top of the page. You just click on those, take your right to those accounts. While you're there, give me an email address and I will give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the Brian McClanahan Show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com, McClanahanAcademy.com. It's always free to enroll, and when you do enroll, you get a free course, 10 Myths of American History, and you can support the show by purchasing one of my seven classes. I've got uh, great stuff there, five lecture classes up to 54 lecture classes, so you got all kinds of stuff to choose from. And those that do enroll in McClanahan Academy, whether you purchase one or not, do get the best deals on forthcoming courses. And I have one coming out in the fall that'll be the second half of my U.S. History Survey course. You're going to want to get that. We've got a lot of great stuff there. It's a great way to support the show, and you get something out of it. You can also support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support, or you can go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on the support tab at the top of the page. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep this podcast going. You can also get your book plates there, so if you want to get my autograph on one of my books, you can purchase one of those book plates. I'll send it out to you. You stick it on your book. You've got my autograph, so you don't have to do all this stuff where you, you know, get me a book or I send you a book. It's a lot easier. It just comes in an envelope. It's a great way to do it. You can also support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com, clicking on the tab at the top of the page that says Shop. It'll take you out to my Red Bubble account where you can get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff, T-shirts, coffee cups, stickers, all kinds of great things. So it's a great way to support the show and uh, also advertise the show. And please do share this show around on social media. Like it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you do. Make sure that you give it a five-star rating if you do like it. And uh, let people know what you think of the Brian McClanahan Show. It's a great way to build the audience organically, and that's something that I'm interested in as well. So, And you should be too. We want people thinking locally and acting locally. It's the only way to start that think locally, act locally revolution. you got to get more people thinking that way. So lots of ways to support the show, lots of ways to help me out, get the message out, and I do appreciate it. And, of course, if you have any ideas, send them along to me. I may not respond, but um, I do read them. Now, this is actually a listener-generated episode, again, in a way, and also in a way it's... um, (laughs) It's just something that I, I I would have come across this anyways, but thank you for everyone who sent this to me. Yesterday, I probably received 100 emails about this, I think. Uh, but it has to do with PragerU again. Our favorite website is back at it, uh, putting out garbage videos. So look, PragerU has got some interesting stuff here and there. They do a good job on some things, but when it comes to the war and reconstruction, you might as well just go out to Slate or Vox, or the now-defunct Think Progress, or uh, pick Daily Beast. Pick your favorite leftist site, or maybe your favorite woke site, and go out there and get your information about the war. Because there's no difference between what PragerU does with the war or Reconstruction and what these sites do with the war and Reconstruction. You, You question at times what 
what they're doing because um, they're they're undermining their entire position by advocating a a uh, pro radical reconstruction stance because the evidence doesn't support it number one and number two what they're advocating actually is perpetual revolution so this they might as well just get Eric Foner to write all their history for them I mean Eric Foner the communist this is what the quote-unquote conservatives at PragerU want to use as their basis for their history right and it's so problematic that I, I just don't they can't get around themselves they can't get out of their own way um, this is the Jaffaite neoconservative nonsense that has now become popular in the Republican circles. Now, I say this, and I'm, I'm going to make a clear distinction between Republicans and conservatives, because Republicans aren't conservatives. Not if they're advocating this stuff. They're not conservatives. So this particular video, and I've got the transcript for it right here. We're just going to go through the transcript. You can watch the video yourself. One of the things I'll say about the video is that uh, Guelzo, who is the professor in this, Alan Guelzo, who is a notorious Lincolnite, and uh, not just that, someone who uh, really wanted to punish the South. And uh, there was a years ago, Don Livingston at the Abbeville Institute did a debate with Guelzo at University of Virginia on nullification and secession. And um, uh, Guelzo apparently was mean. He, he cut down some of the students when they'd ask questions. I mean, he went after the event was over. He was bitter. He started saying things like, this thing was stacked against me. Nobody was going to vote for me. Maybe it's because you lost the debate. I don't know. I might have had something to do with it. Could be. But you've got Guelzo at uh, Gettysburg uh, writing this little essay and then going on PragerU and advocating a supposedly, quote, conservative position and he says at the end, after the thing's over, uh, please help conservative videos like this. If you please don't donate to PragerU to help conservative videos. Conservative? Again, this thing should be on Slate. Uh, it's ridiculous. But And I'll say this is Republican, not conservative. That's because the Republican Party is trying to cover themselves. They, they do videos like this on the war or Reconstruction for two reasons. First, the Republicans believe that if they produce a video on Reconstruction where they are pro-Reconstruction or on the war where they say the only cause of the war was ending slavery, if they produce videos like that, they think it makes it to where nobody's going to call them a racist. How's that work out for them, right? Well, if I produce this video where I say we're the Republicans and we're for Reconstruction, we were for giving votes to freedmen and for, giving, uh, for ending uh, slavery, and whatever the case may be. Nobody's going to call them a racist. It's not going to happen, right? You're going to get called a racist anyways because this is what the other side does. It's how stupid the other side actually is. They will do it anyways. The other thing that's going to happen, and the other thing they try to do with it is to say the Republicans are the good guys, the Democrats. It's the Democrats who are actually for enslaving people and they were the racists. The Republicans were not for slavery. There are no slave owners in the Republican Party. There weren't any there. And the Republicans were never racist. There weren't any of those people there either. They were all for, they're all pro-egalitarian, anti-slavery people. There were no Republican slave owners whatsoever, no Republican racists. All the racists were Democrats. All the slave owners were Democrats. So therefore, if you vote Democrat, you're voting for racist slave owners. Because you see to them, it's all just about R and D. This is how stupid these people are. 
Ridiculously stupid, these people are. But uh, this is the game they're trying to play. And they're gaming it in a way, they're, they're thinking about just, well, we can get this video out there. If we can show enough people and say, hey, Republicans have always been the good guys. The Democrats have always been the bad guys. Somehow, minority groups are going to vote for the Republican Party in vast numbers. I mean, we already have minority population do vote for the Republican Party. I mean, that's you're going to have that. Anyways, but they think somehow this is going to persuade minority groups not to vote for Democrats because the Democrats were racist at one time. But it's, it's ridiculous because that's not what's going on in 2019. People are voting in 2019 for what they think are their best interests today. It doesn't matter what happened in 1865, really at all. Now, I know that the, the, uh, the Democrats like to trot out the Republicans are the ones who were for slavery and for Jim Crow and all these things. So this is they're trying to play the same game. Everyone's trying to game this. But I think they're, they're actually insulting the intelligence of every American when they do this stuff. Because even the people on the, de- the Democrats when they try to do this, people are smart enough to know that so things have changed in 2019, that what happened in 1865 is not 2019. What people want in 2019 are things that are entirely different than what we had in 1865. And I've already done a video talking about how the Republican Party really hasn't changed. I mean, this is true in many ways. Uh, The Democrat Party has, and what's essentially happened is that conservatives no longer have a a party. Um, When you look at traditional American conservatives, it's it's gone. And it, it has nothing to do with race or slavery. But when you talk about limited federal government, when you talk about real federalism, when you talk about the things that really... Uh, undergirded this American system. Anyone who believes in that no really doesn't really have a party anymore. The Republican Party is the same nationalist party they always have been. The Democrat Party is now so far left that there's no way uh, a conservative could really find a home in the Democrat Party. It's because of all the, the other, it's become a special interest party for all kinds of leftist, far left causes. So the, there really isn't a conservative party anymore that believes in real federalism, which is the entire reason we have the U.S. Constitution to begin with, right? If we don't have that, we don't have a constitution. So there's no home for conservatives anymore in American politics at the, at the quote-unquote national level, which is really just the general government, the federal level. It just doesn't exist, right? We need people that believe in real federalism on the left and the right because we could solve all this angst and hand-wringing and everything else that goes on if we were just thinking locally and acting locally. All these things, all these uh, issues that we worry about and fret over, all this stuff wouldn't be there anymore. So by doing these kind of of videos, the the Republicans are insulting the intelligence of Republicans. They're insulting the intelligence of Democrats or anyone who wouldn't vote for them. Uh, And the the Democrats are doing the same thing when when they trot out, you know, purely stupid propaganda. Republicans are the party of slavery. Republicans are the party of racism. Now, I can make a case that Republicans were the party of racism, even even in the 19th century, uh, because the Republicans made it very clear they were the white man's party. Made it very clear. Um, I, in my own social media account, I was looking at a, a Robert Penn Warren uh, years back in the 1960s. Uh, Robert Penn Warren, who was one of the original Southern agrarians, and then uh, he wrote, he, he got very interested in civil rights, um, and he interviewed a, a whole slew of civil rights leaders back in the 1960s. And all these interviews have now been published in their original form. It's a really interesting book. And he was interviewing people like Malcolm X uh, and others, 
But the interview with Malcolm X was interesting because Malcolm X says in the interview that Abraham Lincoln did more to uh, create uh, poor race relations than anyone else in American history. This is interesting. This is Malcolm X saying this. Abraham Lincoln was the problem. Why? Because of Reconstruction. You see, uh, Reconstruction really is the key. So let's talk about this Guelzo video on Reconstruction because that's what, that's what it covers. So it's a very short little, like, I mean, look, we're talking about maybe 500 words, right? So I'm going to read the entire thing to you. Now, if you want to watch the video, his emphasis on certain things is absolutely hilarious. I mean, it's like doom and gloom. Uh, and he emphasizes slavery. I mean, he, he just pauses and goes very low and slow and to try to emphasize a point. I mean, it, I laughed through the entire video. Now, I'm, I'm going to read it. And I'm not going to read it like he would. Uh, I'm going to read it like uh, I think he is saying it. In other words, it, how, how stupid this sounds. But um, you need to go out and watch the video, too. It's on YouTube. It's on PragerU. It's out there. It's one of their newest videos. So you'll see it. So here we go. Reconstruction. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and this should just be called Reconstruction. How the South messed everything up. I mean, we'll just change the title from the beginning. The American Civil War ended in 1865. And a new conflict immediately began. The North won the first war. The South won the second. To truly understand American history, one needs to understand how this happened and why. The years immediately following the end of the Civil War, 1865 to 1877, are known in American history as Reconstruction. Well, uh, Reconstruction didn't begin in 1865. Clearly, it began in 1862, and it didn't end in 1877. We're still seeing it today, right? I mean, you can make a case that it didn't end until 2019. It hasn't even ended. Or you could say it didn't end until the late 20th century. In fact, I have an entire class on this in American uh, at, uh, at McClanahan Academy. Um, so if you go to McClanahanAcademy.com, there's a class, Reconstruction and Recreation, 1862 to 1975, right? So I take it out to 1975, uh, and you could even go further than that. I just stopped it there. Um, but we could say to 2019. So I've got the, a, a class on Reconstruction. I've got one on the war. Those classes are over 20 lectures. It's a great class, and uh, you should get that. And I've got it in the comments. You can just click on that there and take you out to it. Uh, what should have been a glorious chapter in America's story, the full integration of 3.9 million freed slaves instead became a shameful one. A glorious. This should have been glorious. Now, for years, right, Reconstruction was called a tragic era, a mistake. This is how Americans, North and South, viewed the period. They viewed it this way because of the heavy-handed tactics that were used in the South and because of the illegal and unconstitutional actions that were used in the South, because of the loss of civil liberties, the loss of real American government in the South. It was a tragic time. And again, Malcolm X, who I think would be more considered more woke than Alan Guelzo, says, I mean, this is, he's critical of the Republicans and what they were doing. And you can go back and find all kinds of Republicans who were African-American who would say the exact same thing. Hiram Rhodes Revels, the first man, first African-American elected to the U.S. Senate, 
criticized the Republican Party because he said, look, you know what the Republican Party's about? Votes. It's not about this. See, Guelzo's already distorting what the, what the issue of Reconstruction actually was. It wasn't about some righteous cause to get 3.9 million former slaves integrated into the United States. No, no, no. The cause was to get 3.9 million former slaves voting Republicans so the Republicans could remake the United States in its own image. The Republican Party could. That was the point of Reconstruction because there's other minority groups out there that aren't sniffing anywhere close to the civil liberties or civil rights that African Americans got at the end of the war. How about the American Indian tribes, which the Republicans are exterminating in the West? I mean, literally exterminating. People like William Tecumseh Sherman and Phil Sheridan going out to the West and exterminating the Indian tribes. This is all under the guise of the Republican Party. Or how about the Republican Party, which controlled the state of California, which denied Chinese immigrants the right to vote, uh, the Chinese Exclusion Acts, which, which is Northerners, Passies in California. Now, granted, there were Democrats in charge at that time, but still, we have, we have an opportunity in the West, in California, to integrate California and to make it to where you have this egalitarian utopia. No, no. And then you have Republican-controlled Western governments in places like Colorado and elsewhere, Wyoming, which are persecuting Chinese immigrants in those areas, Chinese workers. So who is the, what's going on here? If the Republicans were really interested in civil rights and egalitarianism, why not the American Indians? Why not the Chinese? Well, of course not, because they're not going to, there's not enough of them to vote in swing elections in favor of the Republican Party. They know that if they can get Republicans voting in the South, I'm sorry, uh, former slaves voting in the South and voting Republican, well, then they're going to win elections. And why do they want to win elections? They want to win elections because they're interested in political power for the simple reason they want to control the political economy of the United States. This is what leads to the populist revolt of the late 19th century. But all of that said, let's continue with this nonsense. It began with the assassination of Republican President Abraham Lincoln. One week after the Civil War effectively ended, the one man with the political savvy and shrewdness to have guided Reconstruction was gone. Now, this is an interesting position because there's no, there's no evidence that Lincoln would have navigated Reconstruction any better than his successor, Andrew Johnson. No evidence whatsoever. In fact, Lincoln had already had an outright battle with the Republicans in Congress over the future of Reconstruction. Why? Because Lincoln had his 10% plan which the Republicans in Congress considered to be too soft. And so they passed the Wade-Davis bill, which Lincoln pocket vetoed. Now, there's no, there's no evidence that Lincoln would have been able to maneuver any more effectively than, the, than, than Andrew Johnson. And here's the kicker. Lincoln's Reconstruction plan was softer than Johnson's. But Guelzo ignores that and says this stupidity. His successor was Vice President Andrew Johnson, a Tennessee Democrat, Johnson was the rare Southern politician who stayed loyal to the Union during the Civil War. Lincoln added him to his re-election ticket in 1864 as a gesture of wartime bipartisanship, but Johnson was wholly unprepared for the task. Under his Reconstruction plan, which was harder than Lincoln's Reconstruction plan, the defeated rebels would be allowed to return to power. Lincoln wanted that too. Almost as they had never left, Lincoln would have advocated that too. In fact, Lincoln was trying to form a coalition near the end of his life. And this was, this was what was probably going to happen. Lincoln was going to try to alienate the radical Republicans and bring in a kind of center-right coalition of former Confederates who were Whigs and old Whigs, and they were going to try to control the government. 
And it was not going to be a hard reconstruction at all, at all. It would have been very lenient because Lincoln was looking at this. And he said as much, what are we going to do in the South? We're going to let him up easy. We're going to let him up easy. This is Abraham Lincoln, the guy that Guelzo is saying would have guided Reconstruction in a different way. He would have been harder on the South. No, he wouldn't. Lincoln wouldn't have done that at all. There's no evidence of that. So Guelzo is already distorting the historical record in this stupid nonsense. Almost as they have never left. The only requirement to rejoin the Union was that they agree to ratify the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery. Well, Lincoln was saying the exact same thing. I mean, was there any difference in Lincoln's Reconstruction plan? In fact, as historians have said for decades, Johnson's plan was harder than Lincoln's. It was not the radical Republican plan, but it was certainly harder than Lincoln's plan. So Guelzo is already trying to distort the record here. This is nonsense history. This is stupid history. But it gets worse. This was fine with the old Southern Democratic ruling class. By agreeing to abolish slavery, they would effectively increase their political power. Whereas the Constitution's old three-fifths clause limited slave states to counting only three-fifths of their slaves for the purpose of determining representation in Congress. After the Civil War, the Southern states were able to count 100% of the freed slaves. This would ensure the return of, to Congress of Southern Democrats and an even greater number as than before the rebellion, allowing them, with the help of their Democratic Party allies in the North, to fight Republican efforts to secure the citizenship rights of the former slaves. So, well, now this is true, right? I mean, I will say this. There would have been greater representation for the South in this Congress because now uh, former slaves were counted as one whole person, which is in fact what Southerners wanted from the beginning. Northerners wanted to count them as zero. So when you get to this whole three-fifths thing where it was said, well, slaves are three-fifths of a person. Um, Southerners wanted to count them as a whole person. Why? Because they wanted to ensure they could block the North. <laughs> and not just not about slavery, because that wasn't even the issue at that point. It was about political economy, tariffs, taxes, internal improvements, all the things, banking, all the things that Southerners believed the North was going to try to foist on the South. And they were right. This is why George Mason wanted an amendment that would prohibit navigation acts, which are tariffs. Right? So this is the entire problem with the, with the position that Guelzo is taking here. It was all about, all about blocking civil rights. No, it wasn't. There's so many other things going on here. And, of course, Democrats in the North. What, we, what we're seeing here, what, what Guelzo is admitting openly, is that the Republican Party was the minority party. Right? Because if you put the Democrats together in the North and the South... They're still the majority party. Uh, Lincoln only got 39.6% of the popular vote in 1860. He barely won in 1864 without Southerners in the United States. I mean, I know people say, well, he got, he got well over 50%. Yeah, but you put Southerners in there and Lincoln probably gets about 40%. Again, I mean, this is the thing. Lincoln and the Republican Party, the Republican Party was a minority party. The only way they could maintain power was through tricks and oppression. It's the only way they could do it, by destroying civil government in America. Johnson's plan set off three years of bitter political warfare. The Republicans in Congress created their own Congressional Reconstruction Plan, which they did before Lincoln died and Lincoln vetoed. 
Still, the overly, overall majority there, they recognized 10 of the southern states, I'm sorry, reorganized, not recognized, reorganized. This is the key. And Guelzo's fine with this. They reorganized 10 of the southern states into military occupation zones, requiring them to write new state constitutions that recognize black civil rights before they could readmit it to the Union. So he, does, he just glosses over this. He just glosses over this. So Guelzo is actually saying, you know what we need to do? What is a good thing? We suspended civil government in these states. We occupied them with the military. And we said to them, this is unconstitutional, number one. Unconstitutional, number two, we require them to write new state constitutions before we can readmit them to the union. Well, wait a second here. I thought you said they weren't out of the union. But now you're saying you are out of the union? I deal with all this in my reconstruction class. This is how inconsistent the Republicans are and how stupid they are. They fought a war for four years saying you're not out of the union. Reconstruct the war ends, you're out of the Union. Wait a second. You just said you can't do that. You, you can't. You, you just said we couldn't leave. Well, no, you're, you're gone. So you're going to have to write. You're not a state anymore. You're going to have to write a new constitution, and you're going to have to ratify the 14th Amendment to come back in the Union. Well, how can a state that's not a state ratify an amendment? Hmm. That's a tricky one. I've looked at Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution several times. It doesn't say a, a non-state can ratify an amendment. But this is exactly what the Republican Party is saying. It's why two states rescinded the ratification of the 14th Amendment, because it was done illegally. Welzo skips over that. Over fierce Democratic opposition, the Republicans also managed to pass two new amendments to the Constitution, the 14th and 15th Amendment, guaranteeing due process in law and voting rights in elections. Those rights enabled the former slaves to help elect new state governments to hold office. And to even send the first black representatives and senators to Congress. All Republicans. See, this is where they're getting into the, to the modern game. Hey, all these black people, they're just Republicans. The, the, the uh, point here is to get, again, as I said in the beginning, try to get modern Mar American minority groups to vote Republican because they don't in large numbers. Now, some do. I mean, this is, this is, again, you're insulting people's intelligence here by saying that because in 1865 all these people were Republican, you should be Republican today. Well, why? Why should they be Republican today? I mean, if they don't think the Republican Party represents them, then why would they vote Republican? I mean, are they going to vote because are we going through Reconstruction again? This is a, this is a big question. These people can't answer this. The Republicans can't answer this. Most important, in 1869, with the help of 500,000 votes from newly enfranchised blacks, a new Republican president, Ulysses S. Grant, took office. Grant was solid behind the Congressional Reconstruction Plan. What he doesn't say here is that, yes, those 500,000 new votes went for Grant, but that's only because the Republicans disfranchised about half of the white Southern population. So they couldn't vote. So now you've got 500,000 people that can vote, and then you've got about half of the white Southern population that can't vote. Um, yeah, this is why they won. And the, I mean, look, Grant barely won in 1868. In fact, he won by voter fraud. This is the only reason Grant won. It's been pointed out, I think it's very clear, uh, that Grant won that election through fraud and through trickery. This is what I said. The Republican Party only wins through trickery and heavy-handed tactics. Okay. But a new problem arose. Disgruntled Southern white organ whites organized themselves into ad hoc militias to terrorize Southern blacks and the white Republican supporters into silence. The largest and most famous of these militias went by a still familiar name, the Ku Klux Klan. And the, if you watch the video, of course, you know, Guelzo gets very 
stern and serious here. And then they have these little images of the clan come over. Um, yeah, I mean, these things happen. This was point. This was clearly going to happen as you're creating a political conflict. One group of people is trying to hang on to power that they've been given. That's, of course, the former slaves. And you can understand that. They want that power. The other group of people who have been disfranchised now are going to try to get that back, and they're going to try to do it with violence as well. This, is, this was destined to happen. Anyone who couldn't see this was blind. Now, what he doesn't mention are the fact that the Union Army is already in the South, so the Republicans already have an armed camp. And there are things known as, there's the Union League, which is essentially a black militia group, which is doing the exact same thing. They're burning barns. They're terrorizing people. You had open season in the South on both groups. It's well known, right? Uh, and this is something that historians used to talk about, how nasty this got between both sides. But Guelzo glosses over that. President Grant fought the Klan and other like-minded terror groups, but the fight required an extended military intervention to keep the peace, and that cost time and money. Grant also had to deal with Northern Democrats who were sympathetic to Southern racism. With each new election, 68, 70, 72, they gained more congressional seats and more power. Why? Because Northerners, it's not that Northerners were sympathetic with Southern racism. Northerners thought the same thing. And this is the thing that people, it, it's, racism is simply Southern. Northerners, are, they're, just, they're just good, wholesome people that didn't have any bad thoughts. No bad thoughts, no bad actions. It was just the Southerners were duping these Northerners into believing in racist things. How about the fact that if you go back and you look at Republicans were saying, Republicans were saying in the 1850s, uh, we want uh, the territories for the white race. I mean, all these things that are being said about, about, about the Western territories, uh, that the Democrat Party is the party of miscegenation. I mean, these are the things that are being said by Republicans. Uh, not Democrats. And of course, Democrats were racist, so were Republicans. Uh, there are very few non-racists in America in the 1860s or the 1870s. And then in 1873, a major financial depression began, economically desperate, anxious to put the remnants of the Civil War behind them. Voters gave control of the House of Representatives back to Democrats in the 1874 midterm elections. That wasn't why. It wasn't because of the depression. It was because people were tired of the Republicans. Because the Republicans were a minority party. The only way they were maintaining power is, again, through tricks and force. That's it. That's it. It had been this way. It had been this way since before the war. If the Democrats don't split in 1860, Lincoln's never elected. This is, this is the real political tragedy. If the Democrats maintain power in 1860 and maintain a unified party, Lincoln is never elected and we don't have a war. It's quite simple. Uh, also, if someone like Seward might have been elected president over Abraham Lincoln, we may not have had the war either because Seward was a compromiser. Lincoln was not. Uh, Grant left office in 1877. Soon after the last Republican state governments in the South were overthrown, black voters were disenfranchised, sick. Jim Crow racial segregation became the order and the South returned to social and economic backwardness. Social and economic backwardness. Think about that last part, economic backwardness. The South was the wealthiest section in the United States per capita before the war. Right? It wasn't economically backward. It was a different type of economy. It was an agrarian economy rather than an industrial economy. It wasn't, it wasn't backward. 
In fact, there was a great debate between Southerners and Northerners which economy, which, which, uh, which type of economy was better for the future, an agrarian or an industrial. And Southerners very quickly pointed out the industrial economy's got problems too. Uh, now, I mean, this, this is a big, but he just throws this term around as backward. The South is backward. Why? And did Jim Crow originate in the South? No, no. Jim Crow originated in the North. That's, that's awesome. I mean, C. Van Woodward points this. And this, this piece is so full of distorted hyperbole. You can't, I mean, it's, it's amazing that this thing even passes. Guelzo even uh, is able to do this. Well, I know why. Again, I, I mentioned. So what does Guelzo do? He, he ends the piece hilariously. He says this. What could have been, what could have been done better? What could have been done better? Here is solutions. First, we should have imposed a real occupation on the defeated Confederacy. It wasn't enough what they did. It wasn't enough sending hundreds of thousands of troops into the South during the war and then occupying it after the war. We needed a real occupation. We just needed to keep those hundreds of thousands of troops in the South. Until a new political generation grew up in the South, which learned a newer lesson about race and rights and white supremacy. So what we needed to do was just keep the Union Army there. Occupy him for, he says, a new political generation. So how are we going to long we occupy the South? 40 years? 50 years? 60 years? 100 years? Are we just going to occupy the South forever? Is it just going to be a conquered colony, just like Germany or something after World War II or Japan? Is that what we're going to do? This is, this is passing for logical history in 2019. This is neoconservative military interventionism. This is exactly what they want all over the world, even to this day. So we're just going to occupy the South. But he admits but he contradicts himself because the fight required an extended military intervention to keep the peace, and that cost time and money. But now he's saying we should have done this for generations. Who cares about the time and money? Let's just occupy people, take away their civil rights, take away their civil liberties, take away all that stuff. These people don't deserve it. They're backwards. This is what Guelz is saying. Second, we should have got, gotten land ownership into the hands of the freed slaves and brought the South in the same world of free markets economic mobility, small-scale manufacturing and industry that Lincoln's Republicans advocate. So it's, see, there you go. It's, it's uh, what we should have done is uh, confiscated all property and given it to the former slaves. Now, no one at the time was willing to do this, except for a handful of people. Uh, now, I will mention one, Benjamin Wade of Ohio. He wanted to do this, but you know what else Benjamin Wade said? I'm not going to use the language, but he said things like, you know what the problem with the, with the, with the, the South is? Too many black people down there. I, I can smell them when I get to Washington, D.C. I don't like these black people. That's Benjamin Wade, the really great guy, from Republican from Ohio. But the truth is that the North had won the war, but the South had won the peace. That's the real story of Reconstruction. I'm Alan Guelzo, professor of history at Gettysburg College for Prager University. That's how stupid this thing is. It's ridiculous. I mean, there's so many problems with it. If you want a real reconstruction course, take mine. McClanahan Academy, McClanahanAcademy.com. 20, over 20 lectures on reconstruction, the recreation of America, and I get into all this stuff there in more detail. But I had to go through this, so there you go. There's my take on it and how uh, we have a ridiculous... I mean, this is what's passing for history in 2019. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. <laughs>